I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and this is Sports Psychology Today. Each week on our show, we try to bring up topics that will be of interest to you about the world of sports from a psychological perspective. I've been a sports psychologist in Kansas City since 1981. I've hosted a radio show in Kansas City for the last 26 years. And our podcast show is all about interviews with people to understand the world of sports. Today, when we look at athletes and we look at athletes' behaviors, so many stories are written and shown about a lack of sportsmanship, a lack of self-control, a lack of the ability to take charge of your behavior on the athletic field. Recently, there have been several incidents in the world of sports with athletes showing a lack of self-discipline. In China, three UCLA basketball players were caught shoplifting. President Trump had to get involved and get them released to come back to the United States. They're now suspended from the UCLA basketball team. Just recently, University of Kansas, University of Oklahoma were playing football. Before the game started, University of Kansas had three football players out for the pregame handshake with the, one of Oklahoma's players, their starting quarterback. The Kansas players looked down at the ground and refused to shake the Oklahoma player's hand as he extended his hand for the pregame handshake, dissing him, trying to show how tough they were. Oklahoma won 41-3. You have to wonder, where has sportsmanship gone in sports? Where has the issue of self-control and self-discipline gone? And where does entitlement come in? Where, where do athletes start to think that they're above the rules, above behavior? And how much of a role should sportsmanship play? Today we're going to be talking with Cindy Bourne, sports reporter for the Washington Post, about these topics. Get her viewpoint as a reporter, as someone who's been involved in the world of sports for a long time, and also from a woman's perspective on the role this plays on young kids, male and female. And now I'm joined by Washington Post sports reporter Cindy Boren. I want to thank Cindy for joining me today. We're going to get into this whole topic of athletes' behaviors, sportsmanship, entitlement, and just what's going on. So, Cindy, first of all, thanks for taking the time to be with me today. Oh, thank you for inviting me. So let's get right into it here. Uh, recently, the University of Kansas and University of Oklahoma had a football game. Oklahoma is pretty good. Kansas is pretty bad. Mm -hmm. Kansas only won one game. Oklahoma at the time was ranked third in the country. So before the game, there's the pregame festivities, the handshake that goes on at the middle of the field. And KU had three players out there who put their hands behind their backs, heads faced the ground, refused to shake Oklahoma quarterback Baker Mayfield's hand. Right. Mayfield tried a couple of times. They refused. There were two little girls standing there who probably, whether they knew what was going on or not, nonetheless, they're standing right there watching this. What do you think about that? You know, I think it's, uh, it's sad that sportsmanship isn't taught or wasn't stressed. I understand um, that playing Oklahoma is difficult and having a one-win season is difficult. But you'll recall a couple of weeks ago, uh, the Penn State coach, uh, James Franklin, ran after one of his players on the, as they left the field and yelled at him to go back on the field and shake the opponent's hands. I mean, he was, the linebacker was walking off without, without doing it. And now, you know, I'm not going to hold James Franklin up as a particular paragon of virtue. I mean, he's a football coach, you know. We're all human. Uh, but I, I thought that that was, um, that, was, that was a really great way to handle it. And afterwards he talked about it and said, you know, that's not who we are. That's not what we do. 
um, you know, win or lose, we're going to shake hands with the opponent. Uh, you see it happen all the time in other sports, um, more often probably in amateur sports and Olympics, but, you know, there's just no reason not to shake the opponent's hand uh, before or after the game. I've been working as a sports psychologist. I'm in my 37th year now in the Kansas City area, and I've mm-hmm. worked with the Olympic team, with professional teams, collegiate teams, high school teams, youth sports. I've, I've, I've been working with athletes forever, and I've played sports my whole life. One of the things that I was taught growing up is the issue of respect. And, mm-hmm. you know, when the game's over, I play, tennis was the sport I played specifically. Uh-huh. You, sh- you shook your opponent's hand, whether you liked right. it or not. Right. And, you, you know, you said, good match, thank you, and you walked off the court. Uh, tennis yeah. is a sport that, that encourages that. Uh, you know, a lot of sports encourage college basketball after the game, the team shake hands. A lot right. of college sports, they do that. A lot of college sports, they don't. But I think it starts with this whole issue of the importance of sportsmanship being taught at the youth sport level and young athletes and coaches. And, and there, there's a lack of respect that I'm seeing out there now, Cindy, across the board. And what do we do about yeah. that? Well, you know, maybe it's sort of, uh, you know, uh, a symptomatic of what we're going through these days with the country, you know, so divided. But, you know, I, I also think that a little bit of it, and I, I'm sorry to go off on a little bit of a tangent here, but, but part of my theory is, you know, instant replay. I mean, every play is litigated and reviewed and, you know, looked at down to the last blade of grass, you know, on the, on the replay. And it, there was a time when... You know, you were a tennis player. There was a time when you stood at the net, you shook hands, you abided by the call, good or bad. And sometimes you were going to get the benefit of the call, and sometimes you didn't. Sometimes you, you know, you got the, the wrong end of the deal here. And that was part of sportsmanship. You know, you kind of you accepted it, you moved on. But now it's like, you know, you look at every little thing, and it, it's, I think it pulls people away from the idea of sportsmanship. You know, that's an interesting perspective. I, I hadn't looked at it that way, but I think you're 100% correct. So what do we what do we do about this? Because, you know, what, what concerns me is what young people are seeing. And in the, the day uh, today where we've got social media exposed to everybody, I mean, young kids have cell phones, you can see everything. You know, what's being taught to young young people today, not just athletes, but just, just young people in general about behavior? Um, you know, I, I, I can't really speak to, uh, to what I would teach a kid if I had one uh, today, other than to say, you know, someone's always standing there with a cell phone and someone is always possibly taking your picture. Behave yourself. Um, you know, I mean, I grew up in the Midwest in um, Missouri. And, you know, we went to a lot of sporting events, and my parents told me when I was very young, you know, we don't boo. We just don't boo. And, you know, I talk to people now, and it's like, oh, I went to the Wizards game, and, I, you know, I, a friend of mine who, who does not care for LeBron James was just booing like crazy. And I'm like, why would you do that? You know, I just don't quite get it. But, I, I you know, I see the behavior from youngsters. I see it from their parents. I mean, all you have to do is go to a, a kid's softball game or a kid's, you know, soccer game, and you can see parents just acting out like crazy. Um, you know, and I, you're the psychologist here. I don't know how you get that out of parents. 
uh, to stop living vicariously through their kids. Well, they need to read our book, Just Let Them Play, Guiding Parents, Coaches, and Athletes Through Youth Sports. <laughs> that's which, there you go. See? Sarcastically <laughs> saying that, but, but that's why we wrote our book. I, my co-authors are Jeff Montgomery, a three-time All-Star and Kansas City Royals Hall of Fame pitcher. And mm-hmm. Pete Malone, who coached for 40, swimming for 40 years and is in the USA Swimming Hall of Fame, coached five Olympic gold medalists. And we wrote our book specifically with that reason, because what we've seen is a, a, a decrease in, in proper behavior, and it's filtering down to y- younger and younger levels. And it's about ego and insecurity. You know, and it, this isn't a show about politics, but when you have President Trump making derogatory comments in tweets to people, and he's the leader of the country, that basically gives behavior to pretty much anybody to do the same thing. And I've heard that from many, many people. So I think, you know, self-respect has gone out the window in our society in a lot of ways. Yet at the same time, a lot of people are definitely promoting it and trying to to encourage people to show respect. And I think it has to start at the youth level. And I think you need to teach manners and teach respect. Those should be the first things we should teach. Don't you agree? Oh, absolutely. And class. You know, I mean, that was one of the things that James Franklin said. I mean, you know, Penn State had just lost. It was was a bad loss um, uh, against Ohio State. You know, it was an upset. Um, and, you know, he said, we're going to lose with class. There's, you know, that that's noble. That seems to me what sportsmanship is all about, not, you know, throwing a hissy fit. So why don't we teach enough about, you know, where there, there's, there are – classes in sportsmanship there are books about sportsmanship but why don't we teach it enough why don't we encourage it enough as the primary thing i mean if i i don't know what will happen as a result of the university of kansas football players not shaking mm-hmm. oklahoma's quarterback's hand um mm-hmm. but i if i was the head coach of that team in that situation i would have sat those players down and said you're not playing for a while exactly i mean how many times have you been to uh, you know, a kid's game and seeing a, a kid, whether the, the child was really talented or not, acting up. And how many times have you seen the parent actually grab the kid and take him off the field or say, you're not playing sports anymore? It doesn't happen. <laughs> the parent, you know, um, most frequently sides with the kid. And the kid, you know, that sort of reinforces the notion that you can throw a fit. Um, I, I, I and, and it just keeps going on and on. And then you get to a point where, especially if you're a really talented athlete, you're going to continue to get away with stuff. Well, I like to say you can have two athletes who are physically the same, but the one with the stronger mind will be the one who will come out on top. And one, yeah. of, the, and one of the things that I, I have always questioned is when an athlete does something stupid and is disciplined, Quite frankly, they're kicked. They're, they they may be kicked out of practice, kicked off the team, or told to go home. I don't think that's the way to handle it. I think what you should do is say you will be here at practice. You'll be at the game. You're going to sit on the sidelines. You're not going to play. You're going to sit on the sidelines in street clothes, and you'll be at practice mm-hmm. in street clothes. You're not even going to put your uniform on. You're going to sit here, and you will come to practice because I think that will force them to realize what they've done. Telling them get out of here. I don't want you here. What does that do? Well, I think if you say, you know, when you can come back and behave, you're allowed to stay. And, you know, maybe you, you uh, depending on the behavior, you say, you know, okay, it's in your mind as a coach, it's one game or two games. Maybe you don't tell the kid that. Um, you know, maybe you tell the child it's indefinite or, you know, the young adult, it's indefinite. Um, and then after, you know, a game or so, you, you let them come back. And then, you know, you have an escalating scale. You, the number of times you act up, 
you know, eventually you're gone for good. Um, you know, I thought UCLA, um, we haven't talked about this yet, but the, the players that were caught for shoplifting in China um, have been indefinitely suspended. But what does that mean? How long is indefinite? Is a freshman, how much will they play anyway? However, you know, that was an inter- international incident involving the presidents of two countries. It was tremendously embarrassing. It never should have happened. And, you know, is suspending them for the whole season too much? I know a lot of people who think it isn't. I think they, I know a lot of people who think that's about right. Well, let's, let's take that whole issue of entitlement mm-hmm. with athletes. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, the Ball family obviously has had a lot of publicity. And it starts with the ego of their father, who uh, has an ego that doesn't seem to, to end. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, so consequently, how much of that is transferred down to his sons? Yeah, I mean, I think you, you know, when you have been, they were stellar high school uh, players, all three boys. He has three boys. Um, and, the, you know, the idea is you can get away with anything. Um, you, know, you go to UCLA, you're sort of anointed the chosen one of the chosen ones at UCLA and then you go to the Lakers you know with it one of the top draft picks I mean you know it it says that there are a different set of rules for you and then consequently when your little brother comes up um you know Lonzo balls with the Lakers now and his little brother comes up and he's a freshman at UCLA and they get into trouble in China shoplifting in China you know first off you, you want to talk about entitlement. I mean, you know, athletes are shoplifting. They can pretty much get whatever they want <laughs> one way or another. Well, at least he, at least he can because that, that situation. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I, you know, it, it boggles the mind. I, I, although I will also say I, I think, well, I think that the punishment should be severe. And, you know, for me, suspending them for the whole season wouldn't really, would not really be, too punitive. I, I think that would be reasonable. I don't think it will happen, but I think it would be reasonable. Um, I will also point out, you know, they're seventeen-year-old kids. Um, I don't really know how how well acquainted they are with the ways of the world. Um, I also want to kind of give a seventeen-year-old kid a, a bit of a break because, you know, <clears throat> I might have done some really dumb things when I was seventeen too. None of them involved shoplifting or being, you know, arrested, but. You know, nonetheless, they were, um, you know, we're all, we were all young ones. Um, you know, I think maybe you, uh, for however long you suspend them, you watch them and, and watch their behavior. You know, they, they held a press conference and were very uh, regretful, remorseful. Uh, you know, they certainly said the right things at their press conference. Well, yes, they did. And the question is, what were, what are they going to learn from this? I mean, we all fail. We all screw up. You failed. I failed. Exactly. We've, all, we've all made mistakes. The question is, how do you learn from those things? And in our book, Just Let Them Play, our third chapter is called Embracing Failure Can Lead to Fun. And the, the, the rationale behind that chapter is, if you play any type of sport, you're in any type of competition, you're going to screw up, you're going to fail. The question sure. is, what do you learn from that? How do you grow from that? And yep. how prepared are you for that? I think that's, that's part of the thing is that so many athletes today who are very physically talented typically come out on top most of the time. And if they make it to college to play or even professionally to play, I always like to say they're survivors. They've survived, you know, the world of youth sports, high school sports, even collegiate sports to make it to that point. Now, obviously, they're physically gifted. If you make it professionally, 
doesn't matter what your sport you're in, you're physically gifted, but you also have to be mentally gifted. But the yes. fact of the matter is you have to learn about failure, about screwing up, and you have to learn self-discipline. And many athletes today have been able to get by physically with their skills and talents that have allowed them to make it to the top, but emotionally they've never been called to the carpet before. They've, you know, they'll break the rules. Well, we'll let it go by because you're the best athlete on the team. It's okay. We'll let you get away with it. And mm -hmm. what I found is those athletes oftentimes in the end do something stupid later in their life and they don't know how to handle it and consequently everything falls apart. I can think of several instances in which that has happened. Um, you know, I can think of a certain Hall of Fame running back um, who didn't handle things very well as he, he aged and ended up in prison. Um, you know, I mean, you know, look at O.J. Simpson. I mean, there are any number of examples of that. But there are also examples of guys who have said, you know, uh, this is not what we're going to do. And, and any number of coaches who are real um, exemplars of teaching sportsmanship and putting their foot down and saying, you know what, if we lose a game because you're out, we lose a game because you're out. You know, um, I'm, I'm not going to tolerate this. And I think as often as we write about coaches who cross the line, um, you know, I, I do think you have to have a strong sense of discipline of players and, and be willing to cut them off and, and cut off the entitlement. Well, I think that's, that's what leadership, tough. I think that's what leadership's about. It's yes. about taking, you know, having, the ability, the understanding, the knowledge to set parameters, set guidelines. When you set rules, here are the rules we have on our team. If you break this rule, here's what's going to happen. And yeah. but I but I also think, especially with young people, you know, kicking them off a team for breaking a rule, I don't think is necessarily the right thing to do. I think what you should do is discipline them, as I said earlier, make them be part of the team, but but be be at practice in their street clothes, sit in the stands be at the game, sit on, sit on the sideline. And I think that will make them realize more so. It's going to be embarrassing they're sitting there in their street clothes. And hopefully it will make them realize what they've done. And also make them, you know, I'm a sports psychologist. I think you need to make these athletes talk to someone about what they've done. Just kicking them yeah. off or making them sit there without really having a session with them where you talk about why they did what they did and get them to understand why it was wrong. It doesn't accomplish anything. It just gets them angry. Oh, I agree. And, you know, too often then the coach will just sort of push it off on the parents and the parents will push it off on the coach and the kids left in the middle in limbo. Well, one of the things that I, we talk about extensively in our book, and I've talked about this for years, is the importance of a preseason meeting with, with sports teams and whether yeah. it's a youth sports team or a high school team. And, and that's where the coach sits down with the players and their parents, explains their parameters, their goals, their, their, their objectives for the season, the obstacles they think they'll overcome and how they're going to deal with, with the issues. And it gives everybody a chance to talk about it. It gives you an opportunity to understand, you know, if you miss practice, here's what happens. If you can't make it, here's what happens. And set the guidelines and parameters up from the beginning. And I think mm -hmm. that oftentimes eliminates a lot of this stuff. Yeah, yeah. You have to have a really strong coach and a strong program, you know. You have to know what you stand for. Do we not teach sportsmanship enough at the youth sports level, Cindy? Not anymore, no. Um, you know, but there have to be consequences, and, and so often there aren't, just as we were saying. So what do you think needs to be done to change that? From your perspective as a sports reporter, as someone who goes out and interviews people, observes athletics, what do you think? I mean, I think it's um, – I, I will say this. 
considering the, the millions of kids, you know, across the country uh, who play sports at all levels, um, I, you know, I think you only hear about the bad things. Um, I mean, for every, you know, awful thing that you read about, there are 10 or 12 really cool moments of sportsmanship um, that happen that don't get a lot of attention. And, you know, I, I think it's a, I don't think it's a major problem. When it flares up, though, it, it's always a big deal, as with the UCLA players. Well, I think it's about education. You know, we're in a, in a world today where communication has been enhanced so much with social media. And I think that, you know, there's an organization called the Positive Coaching Alliance that does tremendously good, good work in trying to educate yeah. people about coaching and about doing it in a positive, constructive way. More promotion for things like that, more, more conversations about that. I think sportsmanship should be prioritized. It should be the most important thing. What I don't understand is you'll see college basketball teams shake hands after games, but you don't see every college team do that. You see a lot of college sports do that, but you don't see every sport do that. Why not? Why does it? How come every sport? Hockey, hockey players, NHL games, they shake hands after a game in a, in a sport where they're out trying to beat each other up on the, on the ice. Why don't baseball players, football players, how come they don't do it? Basketball players, NBA, they walk off the court. Why don't they have a handshake line? Yeah. I, I think it's a good question. Um, I think, you know, most times, though, you go to the game and the atmosphere is one of, you know, the fans The fans are so polarized, you know, on, on either side, you know, rooting for their teams. But I don't know that it's almost sort of a gladiatorial atmosphere, and I think sometimes that filters down to the field. Well, it's an interesting question to, to be proposed because I'm not saying it'll ever happen, but it is interesting that the NHL is the one sport where they do go down a line. I know the uh, MLS soccer teams go out and shake hands after, after games, but it's not like a line. They all go search everybody individually. You see that with the NFL as well. I know having worked for the Kansas City Royals in the past, after games, guys will be in the tunnel underneath. You know, they'll shake yeah. hands oftentimes, but you don't see the, sure. the entire teams doing that. Just an interesting question to, to propose to the, the sports leagues about sportsmanship in terms of things down the road. Cindy, this has been a fascinating interview. Your perspective is obviously one where you have a lot of experience knowing that. What do you, as we wrap it up, what do you think the best way to teach parents about how to deal with this is? What What would you suggest? Well, I think that that they need to. You know, I, I'm, I hesitate to give advice to parents, but from my perspective, I would say you know realize that sports is not the be-all and end-all, that there has to be something else beyond that for their kids, whether it's, you know, having fun in sports uh, and not just, you know, excelling, whether it's, uh, you know, also being interested in academics as well as sports. You know, I think you have to, you have to encourage your children to be well-rounded. I agree with you wholeheartedly, and, and you said something right in there that, that hit it on the head, have fun. Whether you're yeah. playing sports, whether you're in, in debate, in the arts, whatever, Enjoy it. Learn from it. Grow from it. Enjoy the experience. And I think if you do that, in the end, you'll feel better about yourself. And it'll, and it'll be easier for you to go shake your opponent's hand whether you win or lose. You might just be a better athlete, too. And a better person. Cindy Bourne, I want to no, thank you. Too. So Yeah, well, that, that would probably be the best <laughs> thing. I want to thank you so much for joining me today. Great insight into, into what we've talked about again. And uh, I will certainly have you back on again with us on our show. Thanks. It was great to be here. I want to thank Cindy Bourne for joining us today. Great interview, great insight into athletes, their mindsets, and their behaviors. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is Sports Psychology Today. 
And for more copies, go to thewashingtontimes.com. And you can contact me at winnersunlimited.com or send me an email at drj at winnersunlimited.com. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.